Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Read podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we have invited the author of the book Well-behaved Indian Women Soumya Dave for a conversation with us. Well-behaved Indian women is a mother-daughter story about three generations of women who struggle to define themselves as they pursue their dreams. Go to the previous episode to listen to our discussion of the book. And before we bring Soumya on, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Hey Soumya, welcome to Brown Girls Read. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. We loved your book and we are so excited to have you here. Oh, thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. Before we get into the discussion, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So, I'm Soumya Dave. I am a psychiatrist, mental health advocate, and also the author of Well-behaved Indian Women, which was released July of 2020. Um, I'm also a new mom, so basically I'm always running around, don't sleep much. But my real passion is to tell stories in a variety of ways and and tell stories that lift women and that hopefully represent the world that we live in. And I'm so excited to be here today because I love the work you do and it's an honor to be able to have this conversation together. Oh, thank you. Oh, you mentioned you are a psychiatrist. So, how did you get to be an author? Did you always want to be an author or how did you make the jump? So I always loved reading. I feel like so many of us always love reading in different interests when we're younger, but I always loved books and I'd heard of people being authors when I was little, but I never thought it was a job that I could do. I grew up with people in scientific fields or in engineering or in law, much more traditional career paths. So I never thought that it was an option for me to pursue something creative. And my father and both of my grandfathers are physicians. So I grew up just hearing about how wonderful of a career medicine is. Um, they all really, really love their jobs. They love patient care. And so I think I was always split in some way. I loved books and I loved consuming them, but I also really loved to medicine. I wasn't actually until I was in college and I was taking all of those pre-med classes that I I realized that hey, I'm actually going to let go of this part of me that really enjoys the arts and that doesn't really feel right. And by that point a lot of adults had been telling me that hey, you have to pick. You can't be two things. You can't be more than one thing. You have to specialize in life. That's what being a grown-up is about. So I actually thought the possibility of being a doctor and an author just wasn't on the table for anyone. And then when I started kind of reading more and more books, I saw that there really was such a lack of South Asian representation in the books that I was reading. I read Jubilee Harry's books, Love Her So Much, Always Will. Um, I read Born Confused by Tanuja Desai and everything I could get my hands on. But I always thought, well, what if I did try this one project and see if it could get out there? And then long story short, and I'm happy to talk about it more, you know, in our conversation Throughout the journey of of the idea of the book all the way to publication date it was a 10 year journey and I got rejected so many times that through that time and through all of those failures I actually met people who created careers out of dual interests that may have seemed contradictory in some way and I learned actually that way that hey it's possible to actually make a career of your own that maybe doesn't look like something that's already out there but it can still be very valid and very exciting and it can represent different parts of you too you don't have to choose That's an inspiring journey like of 10 years when you get rejected 
for doing something do do you like used to take the feedback of the people and then improve your book or did you have the story written all together and then you know you just went with it like a little bit of both so i wrote the first draft in 2008 and then i started trying to find a literary agent which is just the first step in trying to get traditionally published and honestly my first rejections for the first several years were just a flat out no or a no response so i didn't have much feedback to take in in order to incorporate and improve the book and then i kept rewriting the book because you know i was learning how to write really through writing this book i very naively thought that oh i have an idea it's going to get published in a year and that was so far from the truth but really <laughs> through rewriting and rewriting and reading more books and reading craft books on writing going to workshops i learned more about just the art and craft of storytelling itself so i ended up writing about 12 to 13 full drafts of the book and it changed a lot through all those drafts and then i made countless changes on the other kind of smaller chapters but after i made changes i realized that my rejections became more detailed you know just like you were saying people gave me feedback and they would say i liked this i didn't like this and i i would usually take a step back and sit with it even if i wouldn't always incorporate it i would wonder hey is this professional you know who's in the field who's reading stories all the time do they have something to it And then if I got rejections that that said something similar. So if I got 5 to 10 rejections that said something similar, I would definitely take that in and and see, you know, if there's something there worth holding on to. Actually, the rejections are the way that the character of Nandini in my story came to be. I got 10 rejections on the day of my wedding for the book and oh all God. of them actually said that they liked this one chapter I had at the time that was from the main character's mom's perspective and a few of those rejections asked me, would you ever consider her making uh, being a bigger part of the story and that's that's really actually how she came to be such a big part of the story because of those rejections since you're talking about nandini one of the characters that we absolutely loved and related to was nandini's as well uh, was that based on a real life person Yes and no. So I I actually got the idea for her because at, at that point the book was a big romantic comedy about planning a desi wedding and having drama. It was pretty simple and I thought it was fun <laughs> and light and had themes that my friends and I had been through during our own wedding planning and things like that. And then when I was a third year medical student, which is when we do our clinical rotations, I did them all in very rural Georgia. and i realized during the rotations that sometimes i was the only person of color that the patients and the staff saw on some days during one shift i was on my obgyn rotation i went to go check on the new mom the morning after the delivery and she had a lot of family members in the room celebrating with her and so i was in my scrubs i had been up all night my hair probably looked like a beehive on my head and i walked in and i said oh hi you know how are you doing and one of the family members stepped aside and they said oh you can leave the lady who takes out the trash already came by Oh my god so that yeah. really happened with you. Yeah and I couldn't believe that that was what I heard and in my imagination if someone said that to me I would fight back but what I really ended up doing was I just went back I was in shock I was quiet mm-hmm. and I went back to the call room they had for medical students and the first thought that came to mind was what would Nandini do? Um because again at that point she was just Simran's mom she she was a physician she was exactly who she is now but but I wondered you know what would someone like that have done and so I I started interviewing family friends um who trained as female physicians back you know it came from India came here to do their training again and just learned all their stories and it was so fascinating to just see everything they overcame and everything they faced and that really then helped me develop her character further We really loved that you kind of highlighted this insidious racism and sexism that happens because both of us are also immigrant women who now live in the US and we have seen some flavors of it in different shape or form. I am understanding that you kind of made a conscious choice to highlight that. 
Absolutely. It was something that then I realized people were talking about my own colleagues who are women of color were talking about, but it was almost like this big secret that was accepted that, Hey, this is what we deal with. And it's not right, but we mm-hmm. don't feel like we can speak up because there's such a power dynamic in most jobs. Uh, and, and there's a fear that speaking up will lead to your own retaliation. And I just found that so sad. And I wondered why isn't this more openly discussed and you know, what is there we can do about it? And so when I was thinking of Nandini, the first thing that came to mind with her chapters was I need to show her facing this and and see how she really processes that. That's really true, actually. I I am always talking about this with my friends and we have talked about in the podcast as well that sometimes we don't even realize, you know, that uh, this sort of thing is sexist or racist, right? And then we end up saying, oh, we have never encountered racism or sexism in our lives, right? But we have. So what you brought out in the book made us so I think made me also realize when I was reading it that this has happened with me you know so this is sort of like this is sort of sexism and racism so that that was really good Um, oh thank you no it's so true I feel like it's only in conversations with other people will realize hey this is this is happening and this is a real thing that we don't need to put up with so you're so right that it's only when we talk to each other and share our own stories that we see that these things are so prevalent Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. how we challenge what's been normalized for years, right? Yes. Like today we have more of our population, especially in the Bay Area, we see a lot of immigrants. But like you said, in Georgia or these states, it's highly prevalent and, you know, really in your face, this kind of sexism and racism that happens. Absolutely. And that idea that people just define you right when they see you before you even open your mouth or you do your job or you do whatever you're there to do. They just already have a view of who you are and what you represent and all of that. Yeah. So I want to come back to the book a little bit. The title of the book is super catchy. And I think any Indian woman would pick the book because (laughs) of the title. So did you decide the title or how did you come up with this title in the end if there was a process of choosing? Great question. So when I was writing the book for those many years when I was getting rejected, it was actually called Arranged Dating um, because I just wanted to do a play on (laughs) arranged marriages and dating. And then when I actually was on the verge of giving up, I got a slew of rejections from editors when I was in residency saying, there's not space for a South Asian book on the market. There already are enough. We don't see this, you know, being appealing to a broader audience. So I told my husband, I think I'm going to put this away. I gave it my all for, at that point, it had been eight years and said, I gave it my all. And I think that it's time to just say, hey, it's not going to work out. And so I was feeling very sorry for myself and throwing dramatic pity parties in our apartment And a few days into that, he said, hey, you know, you really like the quote, well-behaved women rarely make history. And you've quoted it to me so many times. And I didn't even realize I had. And then he said, so I think well-behaved Indian women is actually the title of this book. I don't think it's arranged dating. I think it's this. And we both loved it. Right when he said it, we just knew it was some kind of, you know, super, I don't know, it felt like a greater force was in the room. And we both knew that had to be the title. And at the end of the day, um, a publisher does have the final say in your title. They, they're allowed to change it. So we were prepared for that to happen. But when my agent went out on submission for it, she said, everybody loves this title. And I said, that actually is all my husband. I really can't take any credit for it. And funny enough, I actually based the character of Neil off of him. So whenever I've told people that, oh, Oh, actually, he came up with the title. They say that's such a Neil thing to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this. That's so true. Yeah. And, you know, since you're talking about Neil, he is probably the most loved man in the story, like loved character yeah. in the story. And 
also like to me he seemed like one of those you know bollywood heroes <laughs> who's like <laughs> uh, too good to be true sometimes so like and it broke our hearts you know when neela and simran didn't end up together so why did he choose this ending so yeah the ending has come up so many times because i think i think it does create feelings I, i've had people reach out to me saying oh i wish she had her happily ever after love story why did you do this and you know from the beginning um when i started the book in 2008 i made so many changes like i was saying throughout the you know years on the manuscript but the one thing that stayed the same was that ending i wrote that ending over 10 years ago and it stayed the same and I think it was because I wanted it ultimately to be a book about her own journey and her own self-discovery and right. I still personally feel now I'm a lot older than Simran is so maybe that's part of what's playing into it but when I think of her I think of someone who still has some growth left to do mm-hmm. on her own before she maybe finds that perfect partner for her and I actually had someone reach out to me on Instagram it was great a few weeks ago and they wrote uh, an ending that's 5 years in the future for Simran and Neil to meet on a reporting trip and I loved it. I thought that was really oh, sweet. Oh wow, where can I find that? <laughs> <laughs> she sent it to me in a message, so I don't know if she's going to post it somewhere. So I'll let you guys know if she does. But I, I said this is better than anything I could have done. I I guess also yeah, like the ending sort of made it more realistic, right? Uh-huh. Like usually when something like this happens to you, you don't like, you know, end up going back to the person that made you feel that way, right? You just take your time and start to you know evaluate your decisions and your life and then go back to it so yeah it was sort of realistic as well yeah it's oh, just the you. bollywood side in us that wants like <laughs> yeah. that romantic yeah <laughs> no that's totally that's totally fair it is and i think it could have worked also if she didn't end up with him i think it would have worked as with the book and and i don't know if it would have taken away so much i just saw her as still having her own journey and i thought it would be a really nice contrast to what happens with her parents her parents come back closer together and i thought it could be a really great way to just show how different the two couples really are uh, i guess in simran's case the potential couple but but really what what does it mean for someone to help you grow and how long should they stay in your life do certain people fulfill a purpose for a certain period of time um are certain people meant to stay there forever and wh- how do we make those decisions yeah i loved also what you did with nandini and ranjit cuz mm-hmm. to me it was like a healthy relationship which probably didn't start as a healthy relationship but became one eventually so it shows people can change and they can grow if they really want to oh yeah totally it's so funny my friends and i all of us whose parents had arranged marriages we've often had conversations with each other you know as friends saying what would it be like if they were just given communication classes right when they met You know, oh, yeah. how, just saying certain things, very simple, simple things. Would, would that have changed things back then and now? And so their relationship really was inspired by those questions that came up because I think it's so fascinating that it doesn't always take a lot to to grow closer to a person. Sometimes it does, but but in their case they had everything there for each other. They just didn't really realize it. Yeah. Since we talked about Neil and relationships, I want to want to comment how you wrote Kunal because he was just like this good catch in terms of the brown people criteria but as you go along the story there are all these uh, subtle red flags which is something that i think happens more than we think it does that's why i really liked how you wrote him oh thank you he he was inspired by a relationship i was in in my early 20s um where really what kept it going was it's good enough 
it's good enough. And that theme came up with, with friends also when they were talking about their own relationships that, okay, is good enough what the bar is and what are the criteria that makes someone, someone you want to be with forever versus a, a good relationship to learn from. And I think so many of my own friends and I were so confused about those things and how to make the distinctions. And Kunal really represents that, that he, he is a good guy who has great goals. He's ambitious. He's hardworking. And it's funny, he's come up more in book clubs than any other character in the book. I mean, people are so polarized about him. I've had people reach out to me saying they absolutely can't stand him. And then others <laughs> saying that he's so misunderstood and it's not fair the way he was treated and portrayed. And I think that that's also valid because, because he has these different, different sides to him for sure. And he also is a product of his own environment. And maybe, maybe with absolutely. another partner, yeah. he would be completely happy and fulfilled. And so would the partner. That's true. And also like about polarizing, like I can imagine if I make my mom read this book, she would side with Kunal because <laughs> to her, he's like a perfect Indian groom that she would want for her daughter. And so also yeah, from and her also, point of view, she probably would think Kunal is not asking for much, like girls are supposed right. to be this way or something, right? So in that case, you would not question anything about Kunal. Yes, right. Today's episode is brought to you by the NBA Store. A new year brings the start of a new NBA season. Suit up with the latest gear to show your support for your team. We may be sidelined from going to the arena, but that doesn't mean you can't watch basketball from your couch in style. We are teaming up with the NBA and Podgo to bring our listeners up to 75% on select items. Yes, you heard that right. Go to podgo.co slash NBA for up to 75% off select items from the NBA store. The NBA where amazing happens. So this is a question we ask all our guests. What are you reading right now? And what books would you recommend? Ooh, um, I would recommend the last book I just read. I literally just finished it. Um, a Place for Us by Fatima. Oh, um, I love that book. Yes. It's so beautiful. Uh, and it's a long book. And I think it's part of the beauty actually is the length. It's the story that just has to sit with you for a while. But the way things just unravel with this family. And I loved the ending too. I just think she shows us different parts of, of these family members. And you think about them differently with each scene. And that just to me is true talent as a writer. So she's a brilliant artist. I'm a big, big fan. And also funny enough, I saw that she married Riz Ahmed, who I'm also a big fan of. So I would definitely recommend that book. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful family story. Another really fun book I read was Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Have you heard of that one? It's really yeah. it's a great book with motherhood and social media and people having good intentions, but maybe still really not doing great things. And I just thought it was a very fun, light read. And I read it right when I was pregnant with my son. And then I read it again after he was born and actually saw it differently. And I think that's such a cool thing about books is that when you reread them, if you are rereaders, they can affect you differently at different parts of yes, your life. Definitely. Um, oh, a third one that that I read that I loved was The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi. She's also yeah. just a cool person and she's so inspiring. And so, yeah, I would say that was one of my top books actually of the past year. If yeah, you we agree with that, Henna Artist, we also read last year for the podcast. So it was great fun. Yeah. Another question that I had is that if well-behaved Indian woman would turn into a movie, who would you like to star in? <laughs> As oh my gosh. I've had um, someone, someone sent me actually, it was really great. Someone sent me pictures of everyone they pictured in the cast, which I love, oh, wow. um, but, but I've gotten actually a few people have told me that they see the mom Nandini as Purna Jagannathan, who's also in Never Have I Ever as the mom. Right. Um, and I could actually really, really see that. Ranjit yeah. is Neil Kapoor. 
Um, <laughs> Neil, I've gotten a few responses from, again, I picture Neil as my husband, so maybe I'm not the best judge, but I just, <laughs> someone just told me the other day that they pictured, um, I think his name is Ro- Rohan Oza or on Shark Tank. Do you know the businessman? They pictured someone like him or Dev Patel when he has his hair really grown out. Oh, right. Well, I also imagined him with like hair grown out. I think I I imagined him like the dad in uh, like the younger version of the dad in Never Have I Ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy's cute. I totally would take that. Yeah. (laughs) Who would Simran be? I don't know. So I've pictured the actress. um, I know she's a Bollywood actress, Shraddha Kapoor. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, because she, I think she just has this very sweet and feminine disposition mm-hmm. about her. And I don't know, I just see her as being this quintessential girl that all boys would like, and then also just represents the every woman in a way. I think she has a really, really cool feel about her that way. And then who else is left? Oh, Nani Farida Jalal came to Oh, us. wow. <laughs> Nani ever. <laughs> yeah, she really is the best Nani ever. And let's see who else is left. Oh, Kunal. Um, there's an actor, Manish Dayal, who's on The Resident. And he actually plays a doctor and is always wearing scrubs. And so I thought that he really looked like Kunal to me. We would love to see that movie. I wish it was <laughs> made into a movie. <laughs> oh, thank you. So what are you working on now? Like, is there a new book that we can expect? Yes, my second book is coming out in June. It's called What a Happy Family. I'm actually going to probably be announcing that this coming week on, on my platform. So it's called What a Happy Family. It's it's a separate story. It's about, it's about a modern day, again, South Asian family. And the overarching theme of that book is mental health and the ways we talk about it, the ways we don't, and also how our families shape us in good and bad ways. So those are kind of the two main driving forces of that book. But it has everything from stand-up comedy to imposter syndrome to interracial marriage and to emotional abuse. So a lot of themes covered in that book. So I'm excited to hear what how people feel about it. I think we are sold on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to read it for sure. There's such an argument sometimes, especially in the therapy community, about what it means to be a happy family. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it more important to be an honest family and an authentic family? And so I just found that such an interesting set of questions and that drove the title. And also it'll it'll drive a lot of the characters in the book, too. I always wanted to write something about mental health that covered just how mental health is perceived in the South Asian community and how people talk about it and how people have shame around it, how people embrace it. Um, and I haven't really seen that too much in books yet. So, yeah. so it felt like the right thing to pursue. Yeah, I think we need more conversations around that. Like, I'm happy there are conversations happening now, but we still need a lot more than that. So, so true. Before we end our discussion today, we just have one last question for you. Is there a message or advice that you would like to share with our listeners today before you go? Yes, I think that everybody has a story in them and whatever form that story takes, whether it's a poem, whether it's a conversation, a book, whatever it is, we we need it in our world because we always need more stories that represent the world we're living in. So if, if the listeners out there have an idea or a thought that's just sunk its teeth into them and it won't let go, that's something, there's something there. And, and I would love to see it someday, no matter what it is. You know, I've heard from people who love books and love stories. And I think those are the exact people who I want to see stories from in the coming years. I love that. Thank you for yes. sharing, Samia. Damana, you're listening. This message is for you. Yes, yes. I know. <laughs> Are you a writer? No, I keep saying I want to write a book and Kathy is really on my case now. <laughs> if you keep saying it, that that's, there's something to it. That means it's, you know, it's something you have to do. 
Yeah, yeah, I know I have to do that. It's just a matter of prioritizing other stuff. <laughs> no, no, life it life is hard and chaotic for sure. But with that being said, I'm excited to read yours when when you're ready. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Soumya, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so much fun discussing your book and all the characters with you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was fun. Yeah, and we are looking forward to your next book, What a Happy Family, for sure. Yes. Thank you so much. I'll keep you posted for when it's coming out. So this was our discussion with Soumya Dave. It was so much fun talking to her and we are still amazed by her resilience and her 10-year journey of getting this book to us. We definitely look forward to reading her next book and we hope you do too. For our next episode, we are reading Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. We hope you'll be reading with us and until then, keep listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Read podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a 5-star rating and a comment. You can support us at anchor.fm slash browngirlsread slash support. Your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, browngirlsreadpod and browngirlsread1 on Twitter. If you have book recommendations for us, you can leave us a comment or message on our social media. And you can also subscribe to us on YouTube for more content.